today on It's Time. If you're a Christian here today, do you know who watches out for you? God does. And nothing happens to you as a Christian by accident. I hear the calling, it's time. It's time. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler. Pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So, turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn with me in then to Exodus chapter 2. We look at the life, the beginning of Moses. And again, when we look at this entire uh, book... The redemption of the children of Israel. We remember that they went to Egypt to escape a great famine. Pharaoh was so indebted to Joseph that he said, bring your family down. I'll give them the very best land that we have in Egypt. And so after a number of years went by, the Bible says in the preceding chapter, Exodus 1, a new Pharaoh raised up over them, did not remember the great things that Joseph had done for the land of Egypt. Now, it is interesting as well, as we find in other places in the Bible, it means a pharaoh of a different kind. The Bible says the Assyrian oppressed the children of Israel when they were in Egypt. And so evidently this was a vassal type of pharaoh, very possibly in the Assyrians' expansion of their empire. Whatever the case was, we find that there was not the love generated from what um, Joseph did for the children, uh, with the children of Israel for Egypt. And so they began to oppress them. The Bible says they made them slaves. They built a couple of cities, Ramsey and a couple of other ones that they used. And so the oppression became heavy upon the children of Israel. Now, a couple of things. Number one, I believe that a lot of times we will be in a place and we may be miserable in that place and you cry out to God and then God does something wonderful. Things may go along for a long time and then God, because he is teaching us patience, teaching us our dependency upon him, then God sends a deliverer. And I believe the deliverer can come in many different ways. Now, again, we remember all the way through the Bible, God used very common things sometimes to solve a very complex problem. God is the master inventor. He's the one that's got wisdom that applies to every aspect of our life. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word now, may your Holy Spirit speak to us that we would understand these things. And when we go through these hard times in our life, we remember your purpose, your divine calling for us. And so we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would cause us to remember these things. Holy Spirit, make these words come alive as they were written by your Spirit. So now may they come and go into our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go back one chapter, very last verse. So Pharaoh commanded all the people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. 
You see, Pharaoh became scared that there was more Israelites now than there were Egyptians, and there would be a conflict, and this would not be a good thing for the Egyptians. So in order to control the population. If it was a baby girl, it could live. If it was a boy who down the road could wield a sword, well, then it was to be put to death. And so this brings us into chapter two, where we'll start our study this morning. And a man of the house of Levi went and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. And so the woman conceived and bore a son And when she saw that he was beautiful, a beautiful child, she hid him three months. Now we find this also exemplified and spoke of in Acts chapter 7, as Stephen is giving his history lesson to the Pharisees and those religious people, they're about to stone him to death. He gives them a history lesson. Now again, this little baby was born. According to what Pharaoh said, it had to be put into the river. The only thing is, the mother used some wisdom. Notice what it says. When she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it, laid in it reeds, and, and the Bible says, by the river bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself in the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when they saw the little ark among the reeds, she sent her maids to get it. And when she'd opened it, she saw a child. Behold, the baby was crying. And so when he had compassion on him, they said, this is one of the Hebrew children. So his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go get a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And so the maiden went and called the child's mother. This is, I believe, God's... um, welfare program. (laughs) Do you catch what's going on here? Put the child in the river. So she did. The only difference is she added a boat to it. And as she puts the little baby in the boat, Moses in the boat, as he's floating down, we know that the handmaidens of Pharaoh's daughter saw the little baby in the boat, went out, retrieved it. Miriam saw this, and so she came up and she said, would you like me to go find a Hebrew mother to take care of the child for you? She said, that's a great idea, go. And so she goes and gets Moses' mom. Amazing how God does things. God actually provided now for Moses at the hand of Egypt to take care of him. And so the child grew And she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. Now, this is very significant. She became her son. We don't know all the details why this was, but we know in the New Testament, the Bible says that Moses eventually refused to call her his mother. Now, why is this? Well, this is why many people believe Moses was in line for the throne. He was in line to be Pharaoh, the next Pharaoh. 
And there was some chiding between the firstborn son of Pharaoh, that remember, who died in the plagues. And then there was also Moses, the daughter's son as well now. She adopted him. So uh, the, the old um, Cecil B. DeMille, Moses, and how it shows the two sons uh, chiding with one another who was going to be the Pharaoh and all. There, there's truth to that. That, that actually he had a, a legal right to the throne, Moses did. Now what is amazing to me here is that a lot of people in the world today say, do what's going to advance you. Do what's best for you. But if you're really going to be a child of God, you want to do what's best for the kingdom of God. There's always self-exhortation. And we as Christians need to be extremely careful of that because self-exhortation will never bring you to the path of God. Because remember, Jesus said, the way up is the way down. If you want to be great among you, be the servant of all. Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet. Peter says, you're not washing my feet, Jesus. Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, you have no part of me. You don't understand what I'm doing right now, but you will later on. That's what really greatness is in God's kingdom. Because when you abase yourself or you humble yourself, the Bible says, and God lifts you up, you don't have to do that yourself. And what is really amazing here, she called Moses her son, but down the road, Moses refused to be called her son. Now you look at that for a minute again, this would be every person's dream. That all of a sudden, now you're promoted, and at least if you're not Pharaoh, you're going to be prime minister. And if you go back, this is what basically Joseph was in advising Pharaoh concerning the dream that he had to avert the, the, the uh, famine that was to come upon the land. So you have all these different things going on. Hey, man, you've made it. You're at the top. You're, if you're not number one, you're going to be number two. And that's pretty good. Or is it? You see, you can be number one or number two in the world. The Bible says, what is a profit of man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? But yeah, but I got to watch out for number one. If you're a Christian here today, do you know who watches out for you? God does. And nothing happens to you as a Christian by accident. It's divine providence. And the first thing we need to do when we come to Christ is we need to first of all realize our name is written in the book of life. I'm just a passing through this world. I have an internal place that God has prepared for me, as it says in John 14. That's where I'm going to go. He goes to prepare a place for us. He's going to come again and take us and there we'll be with him. I have to then also realize nothing happens to me as a Christian by accident. I look at that sometimes and I go, only God can fix this mess in my life. But you know what? That's what he specializes in. You know, there's things in our lives that automatically go out of our control. You may be styling, man. You may be Gucci. You may have it all. And then you go to the doctor because you got a little bump on your arm. And the doctor says, hey, you've got a melanoma here. You've got a cancer here. We can be styling one day. We can have the world by the tail one day. And the next day we can find ourselves at the bottom and even life-threatening things. Hey, listen. As a Christian, you can rest in him. 
Now, I'll tell you something. If I had to stay up and worry about all the things I need to worry about, I would never sleep. Because there's so many things to think about, so many what-ifs that are out there I don't have an answer for. But God is the one that goes before us, as the Bible says, and makes the crooked places straight. If you don't have God as your Lord today, you are vulnerable to whatever comes your way to take you out. And like I say, tomorrow, I don't care whether you're 15, I don't care whether you're 95, tomorrow's not promised to any of us how important it is then that we trust somebody bigger than tomorrow. That's your God. Nothing comes to you by accident. Now, verse 11. Now, it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. Now, most people believe that at this point, Moses was 40 years old when he was fully grown, schooled by the best schools that Egypt had at the time. He was educated. He was not a man of clear speech, but yet he could talk to God. He was a person that was recognized by the world, but dies alone. He's an interesting person in the Bible, this Moses. Because he's a person who God singled out and used, and God called him the most meekest man that ever lived. Now remember, meek is not weak. Meek is the ability to follow orders and do what's right in spite of what everybody else would think. He says, when he was grown, he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Wow. Um, Something in Moses began to churn. He was a deliverer. And you know, it's interesting, when he saw the oppression of the people, his people, he began to inject himself into the injustice. Now, friends, I'll tell you something. You as a Christian... You're going to find this as well. When you see things that aren't right, you will find God will call upon you to do that. Some people say, well, how do I know God's will for my life? What do you see that's wrong? Is it a Dixie cup that's in the, that's in the uh, foyer that everybody's stepping over and you go, gee, that doesn't belong there. I'll pick that up and put it in the trash. Do you know obedience begins small and grows? And I really believe that, again, when we see things that are not right, and I don't care whether it's a physical issue, a spiritual issue, whatever it might be, I believe God interjects his people, all of us, into a situation that says, hey, we need to fix this. If murdering 60 million aborted babies in America since Roe versus Wade, as an example isn't enough to cause us to become aware of murder and injustice for these poor children. That 60 million people that would be having jobs right now, paying taxes, and your retirement are gone because of this. Yeah, we interject ourselves. We say, hey, support candidates that are against abortion. These are things where we interject ourselves because, again, I believe we are saved for a reason. In other words, put feet to your faith. Well, God, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you as we have a whole world around us that's perishing? 
I would simply say, God, open my eyes to the needs that you want me to be a part of. Moses saw an injustice. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew to the point where he interjected himself. Now, evidently, this word beating here is much more than just, hey, he was whipping him, you know, with a fly swatter, okay? He was beating him like to beat him to death. And Moses said, that ain't right, and he interjects himself into this particular picture. Now, Some people might say, well, he killed him and buried him in the sand. Some people say, well, this is dead works. Probably. But nevertheless, he was interjecting himself into this situation. Now, he went out the second day. Now, this isn't a year later, five years later. This is the very next day he goes out to see his people again. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting and said to one another who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill us as you did the Egyptian yesterday? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Wow. Now you would think the children of Israel would have said, hey, we got a guy in Moses here we can trust. Do you know what he did yesterday? He cacked an Egyptian that was beating Tom and and buried him in the sand. And hey, next time Moses comes around, he's our hero. No, they didn't do that. In in fact, Stephen cites this in in, uh, Acts chapter 7, to the Sanhedrin, that you Jewish people, you miss it every time the first time. God sent your deliverer. You are crying out to God. God heard their cries. They were slaves in Egypt. God save us. God sends Moses on the scene to help them. Yay! No. (laughs) What are you going to do? Kill us like you'd kill the Egyptian yesterday? Moses goes, I got to get out of here. The red light, come on. The blue lights are flashing. Hey, you're wanted by the FBI. Well, what happened? He says, I know. Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this, by the way, gossip, rumors travel. When Pharaoh heard of it, that tells me that those very people who Moses would eventually deliver from the hand of Pharaoh are the very ones that knocked him off. Would you really want to save a group of people like this? Really? Oh, really? You said that about me? See ya. Keep building your bricks. Bye. Isn't it weird how sometimes the very people we try to help are the very people that fight you the most? Years ago, when CSN was being started, something really interesting, it wasn't the problems from the FCC or county planning and zoning. The biggest enemy of CSN was the church. Go figure. You look at it and say, I don't even want to have anything to do with anybody. Well, friends, that's the way it is. Jesus said a man's enemies are those of his own household. What does that say? 
That says that you're not really prepared to fight your own in doing something for God. Now he's having to fight the children of Israel. Hey, I gave you a deliverer, Moses, who now you're fighting, who would have delivered you 40 years before he came back the second time. Moses now gets out of Dodge. He's 40 years old. He has all the pomp and splendor in line for the throne. He kills an Egyptian, which would be traitor. That would be considered a traitor. He knows he's found out and he leaves. He doesn't come back to Egypt for 40 years. They stayed in slavery for 40 extra years because they refused to see their deliverer. I wonder today how many people stay in their sin because they refuse to see what Jesus Christ has done for them. Your deliverance is now. Hey, you can enjoy the goodness of God today. Not five years from now, not 10 years from now, right now. But what do we do? Well, we're going to find this as we get a little bit farther up. And one of the astounding remarks as we get up here where God brings the plagues through Moses' hand upon the land of Egypt, where Moses says, shall I take away the frogs? I think it was the fifth plague. And um, Pharaoh said, come back tomorrow. Really? Another night with the frogs. In other words, your deliverance is right now, Pharaoh, but you don't want it. I'm really amazed how many times people God offers deliverance to, but we don't want it. God sent Moses to the children of Israel. Here's your deliverer. And instead of them extolling him and embracing him, they turn it and even tell Pharaoh what Moses did. Nobody else knew except the Jewish people. The Jewish people are who marked Moses, who, who uh, told Pharaoh what Moses had done. So he heard the matter, he sought to kill him. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. <laughs> I, I ever done that? You just, all this stuff's going on, and you just run, and you just sat down. Woo! Man, that was a crazy experience. By the way, I think it's interesting. Moses, the Bible says, lived 120 years. 40 years cruising around in the chariots. Yeah, hi. You ever notice that at the county fair, the, 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 the rodeo queens? And they have a little hand wave like this as they ride. I always wondered about that. I wondered if people that in those days when they were riding the chariots were doing this as they would go down the aisle. Anyway. Cruising around. Nice clothes. Great food. I'm a somebody. Okay. And then he kills the Egyptian now he leaves, and he's a what? Nobody. In fact, he's actually wanted by the Egyptian government. He's a no one. He went from someone being a somebody for 40 years to now a nobody for 40 years. On the backside of the wilderness in a place called Midian. This is where he ends up for 40 years. 
Now, what's really interesting to me as I look at this, for 40 years, Moses thought he was a somebody. For the next 40 years, God taught him and showed him he was a nobody. And for the next 40 years of his life, God showed Moses what God does with nobodies. And became the greatest deliverer of humans, probably in recorded history. So he says, he sat down by a well. Now, the priests of Midian had seven daughters. And they came to draw water, and they filled their troughs with water and their flock, and their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Now, they came to Raoul, their father, and he said, How is it that you have come so soon today to his daughters? And they said, Well, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, Where is he? Uh, why have you not just left the man? Call him that he may eat bread with us. Hey, this guy's got seven daughters. Here's a single guy. I'm sure he wanted him to come over to his house. And so Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah his daughter to Moses, literally as a wife. It is interesting here that in Moses, there is that of wanting to be a helper, a deliverer. And by the way, I believe as a Christian, you always want to notice those tendencies that God puts in you. I think this is a lot of times where we find uh, the calling of God for our life. In other words, what is it that seems to attract you? Or what is it that you are, have a passion for that you'll stand up for? In other words, you find the injustice that was done against the children of Israel. Moses kills the Egyptian. Then you find the injustice of the shepherds coming and trying to chase away these daughters from the well. He stands up for them. You begin to see a pattern in Moses' life. And I believe those patterns we find in our own personal life. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.